Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, and we are heading into the end of October. But um, I always still want to give you a little update of what's coming on in the show, and so we will do that. For our inbox, we have a listener who's asking, what is a biblical response when I'm feeling burnt out from loving others? Okay, well, hello, universal question. (laughs) Some of us are so loving. No, okay. Uh, One of our counselors is going to weigh in because clearly we need some expert advice on that. And then for our culture segment, Stephen McWhorter is a worship leader and writer of songs like the number one, Come Jesus Come. He is here to share his powerful testimony of really how God saved him from one, a meth addiction, uh, and two, just kind of bringing him back into the fold and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. so stay tuned for that. Okay, here we are for our round table. And we thought this would be a good opportunity, especially as the weather for some of us in this hemisphere is getting a little bit colder, nights are getting darker, whatever. Uh, what does it look like to actually have hobbies in your life that aren't just entertainment and specifically passive entertainment? Because Who have I not talked to in the last week that has talked about the number of shows that they are binge watching? (laughs) And by that, I mean mostly me. And so... um, (laughs) I'm glad you're talking to yourself. (laughs) Forcing other people to hear about my choice of shows and uh, why they should be watching them. So uh, we have got friends Katie, John, and Adam here. Hey, y'all. Hey, Hey, Lisa. Hey. Good to have you. Okay, so... <laughs> is this we, the singing podcast? <laughs> sometimes. It, it is just today. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I sing a line or two. It just mm-hmm. depends on, on where I'm going with it. So, okay. So when we're talking about entertainment, and I mentioned passive entertainment, because sometimes people, you know, you can actually engage in entertainment. And Adam, you are actually with Plugged In. here at Focus on the Family. So we're hoping that you're going to add something substantive to this and at least defend the use of entertainment in positive ways. Because <laughs> I know I've actually watched movies and had great discussion springboards for yeah, them. Absolutely. So that's a very good thing. Absolutely. So, but... If the sum of your life and your conversations and you catching up with friends or family members is just talking about other people's fictitious lives, Mm. (laughs) I think there could be concerns. The really great cat video you just saw on TikTok? Okay, well, that is real. So that (laughs) is an entirely different situation. That's That's not binge watching a TV show. We don't know what that cat is thinking, Adam. There's very real possibility (laughs) of engagement with that. Okay. Okay, so let's talk about you personally, we're going to turn this off of me, all of you guys, hobbies that involve entertainment. Where Do you struggle with this at all? Is this like, you know, where are you in that space in general? I do a little bit for sure, especially in the wintertime, which we're coming up on. Yeah. Yeah. Summertime, I feel like I'm pretty good, but I had to tell my men's group that I'm a part of here at Focus. We meet for just prayer and accountability a few times a week. And I had to just straight up, I think I'm a few months into it now, put a rule in my own schedule that I won't get on my phone when I'm at home in the evenings Mm. because I would get so just addicted to scrolling and listening to another song or find 20 songs before I found the right song. (laughs) Find (laughs) lists of songs, top 10 songs songs of whatever. Yeah, Exactly. So I've had to do that for a couple of months now. And thankfully, I'm, I'm getting better at it, but I still have to keep a rein on myself for sure. 
Yeah. I'm also going to say, because I work with John um, and because I want to turn the spotlight off of myself and the condemnation around this, that John also can find a, a YouTube video or two and share that. And yes. so maybe that's Absolutely. in his scroll yes. as well. I'm like, have you seen this video? I'm going to send you this video. Is there a cat? <laughs> Sometimes there are cats. It depends. Yeah. But they're always really funny. So Katie, how about mm-hmm. you? I'm with John. I feel like I'm very much learning and trying to discern how to use my time a little bit better when it comes to entertainment because I am very much guilty of as soon as I'm home from work, I'm on TikTok for an hour. And that's really hard to break because Mm -hmm. it's just the algorithm just keeps giving me stuff that I want to see. So I have to be very, very intentional about what how I use my time because I've found that a lot of times I'm saying no to things or I'm missing out on really good quality time when I'm on my phone or I'm binge watching a show. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to watch the next episode when really that's not soul filling in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really trying to find the balance a little bit more yeah. in my everyday yeah. life. I feel like personally I went and this was, you know, there've been a couple iterations of this, but some years ago when I first started in the whole online dating and dating app scene, I actually like stopped watching TV because mm-hmm. the amount of time that I spent like in random conversations <laughs> in the online dating space was like a full-time job. And yeah. I actually had to give something up in order to make that happen, which I'm not saying it was a great trade. Mm-hmm. But I will say that now I have fallen into the trap of when I have time to just hang out and do something And I will also throw my housemate under the bus because she enables me in this. Mm -hmm. I find that it's much easier to throw on Netflix and just continue in some Mm -hmm. random series or scroll forever and look for something to try to watch Mm -hmm. than to pick up the one or two or three books that I'm actually in the middle of trying to read too. I just (laughs) feel like I'm so tired by the end of the day. And and that's where I'm blaming the passive entertainment thing of just to like look at a screen and not engage Mm -hmm. seems so much easier. Adam, how about you? There are so many things that I want to say. And I want to start by saying that even though I work at Plugged In, the struggle is real. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, my kids will sometimes say, Dad, can you just watch the movie with us? Put your phone down. (laughs) So I don't want to come from a place of having it figured out. I come from... The place of a pilgrim on the road yeah. with well, all Sorry y'all. your kids are healthier yeah. than you. but Well, <laughs> they, I think that they probably are in some ways. But a couple of the words that I heard all of you talking about that I think are really important here is this, you know, the important distinction between passive and active mm-hmm. or sure. passive and intentional. And mm-hmm. so I think if there's a show you're enjoying or a movie or a podcast or a YouTube channel or a cat video. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. And actually, I think sometimes it's super healthy. Man, our lives are stressful. And having a good laugh about something ridiculous that we see in a short video, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But Katie, like mm-hmm. you were saying, when was the last time you sat down on your short video feed, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, Google, take your, yep. <laughs> take your pick. They all have them now. Mm-hmm. Um, when was the last time you did that for five minutes? Yeah. You never do it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's 15, 20, mm-hmm. 25, 30, because your brain's getting that little hit of dopamine. Mm-hmm. And, so and even and people who have more. the apps that like limit their time, then they just override it. And right. Just, yep. Stupid <laughs> app. Yeah. Just turn Guilty. it off. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I think another phrase that you used, Katie, was soul filling, because mm-hmm. I think at the core, we need to just grow an awareness of what am I seeking to fill myself? And a couple mm-hmm. of us were talking about this earlier today. I think about... Um, Psalm 16, 11 says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me 
with joy in your presence and eternal pleasures at your your right hand. God has made us to be filled. We're going to look for that somewhere. And it's possible with screens always in our hand Mm -hmm. for that to be the first place we turn. It's so easy for that to be our go-to. Totally. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because I think that I've often said this probably here on the show, is this idea of like, when I get into conversations with people, especially around shows or movie franchises, where I always find it concerning when we start talking about these people like they're our best friends right. and they actually are not real people. Yep. And I find myself like investing more even emotionally in like people or storylines where I'm like, wow, what if I channeled this into actual people like real in my neighborhood or yeah. my right. church or my family? Yeah. Yep. And so I think that's always like a little bit of a, a check for me too in that. So, all right, well, let's talk a little bit. Let's move maybe into the realm of what is it look like to do things differently so first Mm -hmm. of all let's talk i want to talk about like are we doing anything else besides entertaining ourselves hopefully we are and even if you weren't maybe in the last day or two you came up with something (laughs) in preparation (laughs) for this i'm going to start doing blah 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 but also just in the entertainment space how do you self-limit at this point or do you have accountability checks and balances around this i mean Mm -hmm. clearly adam has his kids Um, (laughs) but how are we doing this so we do it differently and do it better Mm -hmm. i think for me it really started with recognizing there was a problem Mm -hmm. and um just like i accidentally just moved my screen the opposite way to where it tells you how much time you spend on your phone oh yeah and that was a wake-up call for me I'm spending five hours on my phone, maybe 30 minutes of that is work. Like Mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a problem. Mm -hmm. So I think um, depending on like what works best for you, for me, it was literally breaking down, okay, how much time am I spending on this in a day? Mm -hmm. And what could I be doing instead? Um, So for me, um, at the beginning of the year, I set a couple of goals of like, okay, I'm going to try and get my screen time down by an hour. Like I just have, like that is one thing that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, spending less time on it as soon as I get home from work. Instead of doing that, maybe actually spending time instead of ordering out and spending time on my phone waiting for my food, maybe actually research recipes that I want to try mm-hmm. and then actually cook them and not mm-hmm. have like something going on in the background, but just focusing on what I'm doing in the moment. <laughs> instead of watching other people cook things exactly. on TikTok. Yeah. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah good. exactly. And then <laughs> trying to do something a little more active. So now I'm coaching soccer because that was something that I loved doing. I played soccer from five to 22 all the way mm-hmm. through college. So I wanted to find a way to still do that remain active while not actually playing the sport still Mm because I got a little burned out. Um, So I coach soccer for fifth, sixth graders now. And it's a great ministry opportunity too because I I coach a rec league and I don't think any of those families are Christians. So that's cool. Just finding ways to like actively spend my time in a better, more, I guess, more productive way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I actually want to get into a few more of those ideas here shortly. But okay, John, how about you? What uh, what's it looking like to curb the, the entertainment? Something that has helped me is uh, I've talked about before how I love to listen to music. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's great to listen to music and find enjoyment in it. I mm-hmm. consider music a gift from God. But I have found that one of the great ways to get motivated by music is actually to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And so many times I'm listening. If you see me in the gym here at Focus, I'm mostly listening to music or listening to a podcast mm-hmm. while I'm here. But I'm at least doing something that is productive yeah. as opposed to just sitting down scrolling on my phone. So that's a I think a good way to balance mm-hmm. entertainment with still getting something done. Yeah. I don't know if it's a personality thing or a dude thing, 
I think in dude land, sometimes when we have problems, we want to solve it all in one fell swoop and yep. we can be all or nothing. It's relate. like, yeah. <laughs> got to chop down this tree. I'm going to do it with one swing of the ax. I'm going to swing it really hard. Mm-hmm. And as a father, I have three teenagers. So we're fighting this battle on multiple fronts. Sometimes you have those moments of frustration. Like, did your parent ever say, we're going to throw out the TV? Mm-hmm. You know, that sort <laughs> <Yep>. of thing. <laughs> Most of the time, all or nothing doesn't work. Mm, yeah. We're setting ourselves up for failure. And even if we go cold turkey on everything for a couple of days, there's actually been research that shows it's better to do what you're doing, Katie, to make an incremental cut that mm-hmm. those changes tend to stick long term mm-hmm. than the all or nothing approach. But pick something that is a manageable change. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to look at my phone first thing in the morning or mm-hmm. I'm going to buy an alarm clock so that the very first act when I'm conscious every day is not reaching for my phone mm-hmm. to turn the alarm off. I mean, it seems like a small thing, but man, once that phone is in your hand, mm-hmm. I wonder what else is going on mm-hmm. here, yeah. right? And yeah. um, so making those changes, I love your example, Katie, because I think it's a great concrete example of making that incremental change, integrating it into your life. Mm-hmm. And then enjoying the benefit of it. I think mm-hmm. of the scripture. I'm not going to remember the reference. You know, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but in the end, yeah. it yields a harvest of righteousness for mm-hmm. those who've been trained by it. It's in mm-hmm. one of the epistles, I think. Paul mm-hmm. sounds like something Paul would say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he and was very disciplined. Mm-hmm. I don't, none of us like saying no to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't live in a culture that says, say no to yourself. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we practice that, then we can say yes to better things. Yep. Uh, and I think it's not just about denying ourselves. It's what's the bigger and better yes that I'm creating space mm-hmm. to do. So and again, your yeah. example, Katie, is great with that. Yeah, well, and I, it's also getting rid of that um, deserving mindset. Right, of like, I deserve right. this rest time. I deserve yes. to like not use my brain for this amount of time. It's, that is always what I think as soon as I get home and I'm on my phone. I'm like, I spent all day at work. Right. I was there for this. eight hours. <laughs> I'm allowed to let my brain just kind of veg for however many hours that I'm on my yep. phone. But that's not really that healthy it's really not i also liked your example of when you said you know if you order something like some food as takeout then you have this time and you're just going to fritter it away or whatever and that's you know it may seem like you're just using a few minutes while you're quote unquote waiting for food but all those minutes add up Mm -hmm. and so purposefully using our time you know better is so helpful as well because we think you know some of us are all or nothing like if i don't have five hours to do this i can't do it well when do you ever have five hours never so (laughs) literally never so it really is living your life in those 10 15 20 minute increments of just like wow you know what can i what can i do here so so that said what are some of the fun life-giving otherwise you know life building i would say Mm -hmm. things that we do like to do what are some ideas that you've come up with I've mentioned on past episodes before that I love to go hiking. That for me is huge. And I've gotten to go with my brother a few times this summer, which he and I have done maybe once or twice, but we've done a lot more this year. That has been really good. And something I've done to kind of push myself outside of my comfort zone is I've gone to a few different weddings this summer, but the part where I've had to get out of my comfort zone as a world-class introvert who sometimes (laughs) dreams of spending life on an island by myself (laughs) in my books, uh, I've actually gotten out on the dance floor a few times. Wow. And I'll tell you what, it was so much fun to be able to get on the dance floor. I actually surprised a few of my college friends on the last (laughs) one I went to who had never seen me do it before. 
And, but I look back on it and I say, wow, that was a great memory that I just was able to capture in the moment because it was right then and there. And I was willing to step out and a moment of uncomfortability is worth a lifetime memory that you're going to cherish forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned, uh, soccer coaching has been so fun getting to, I'm an extrovert, unlike John. So I love (laughs) meeting new people, meeting the parents, meeting the refs. It's such a fun time to do something that I really like to do. Um, and combining it with ministry that's like not just within the church, but reaching out to unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love reading. I found that something that distracts me from reading is watching TV or being <laughs> on my phone. Um, so, and I'm one of those people that's like, oh, I have five hours. I'll sit down and read this entire book instead of like spacing it out. So I'm trying to get a little better about like, okay, I don't have to read this all in one sitting. I can mm-hmm. space it out a little bit more. And I actually set a goal at the beginning of the year and I love checking things off of my list. So if I, <laughs> every time I check off a book out of the numbers, like on Goodreads, it's like my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like instant serotonin. It's like so nice. Yeah. Um, so I love doing that. And then cooking. I've been getting really into cooking and finding okay. recipes me and my roommate are trying to keep each other accountable for not eating out as much. Okay. So we'll meal plan. We'll do the shopping together. We'll have like a shared note on our phones where we put links to recipes that we try. Um, so that's just been so, so, so fun. So yeah. I think, and it's also something that can be really relaxing. So it's not just, it is mindless in a way, but it's not so mindless that I'm still kind of staying active. And it gives me a chance to catch up with my roommate on a regular basis and just see how she's doing and really develop that relationship even more. Yeah, that's good. I mean, to do something with someone is Mm. a great motivator. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, too, your soccer example, you are, because you are coaching, you're required to be there. And so it's not something that you can make a decision at the last minute of just Mm -hmm. be like, no, I'm going to... We call it commitment. I think that's the word, right? (laughs) Exactly. What is that? We don't know about that. Mm -hmm. So how about you, Adam? Well, I'm going to sound painfully old, but I think my hobby these days is going for walks with my wife and dog. (laughs) So I should also say I have a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a Mm 17-year-old. So, And my wife works at a church, and I work here at Focus. So, I mean, there's work, there's ministry, there's church. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, I often joke my second job is moonlighting as an Uber driver. Mostly (laughs) I drive children around. But I think even with that, And this gets back to the bigger conversation. Am I going to choose to be present in the moment or am I going to be distracted? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy you're honking at sometimes Mm -hmm. at the green light because Mm -hmm. I'm checking the latest article on how badly the Broncos are doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I felt compelled Mm -hmm. to read that in the 15 seconds. It's like, you don't even need updates anymore. Just assume that it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know. And and let me say as well. We're going to continue to fight this battle. This is a little bit of a, an editorial thing, but mm-hmm. I saw today two different articles on smart glasses yeah. that, you know, forget yeah. having a phone that you have to go to the trouble of yeah. holding. Mm-hmm. They're now going to be projecting, you know, screens onto your glasses. They actually have contact technology with screens That's in the contacts. So huh. we're all going to have to keep working at this, but, but back to me, just making yeah. that time relationally, <laughs> um, my son and I, my son just turned 17 this week. We go to concerts together. I won't tell you who we go to see because you would judge me harshly. Um, but I was we, just going to throw a couple out as an example. So that's so funny that you said that. Yeah, so, so we love going to... He may to, have gone to Eras. I, yeah, I did go I to Taylor Swift with my daughters. I just said it. Uh, yeah. We went yeah. to Avenged Sevenfold last night. Wow. That's a metal group. Nice. So. But that is like... so. <laughs> Okay. But I will say, because some people will be judgy about that. I'm like, you're creating experiences yeah. and memories. I mean, my 17-year-old still wants me to go. 
Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's great. And so I think that's a win. I'm yeah. going to claim that yeah, as a win for us. Yeah, very unheard of. I did not want my dad to go <laughs> no. to concerts when I was 17. So. I did see you at a Skillet concert, Adam. I, skillet. Great. I mean, see, We are hardcore great. Skillet fans. Love yeah. John Cooper and his band. That's good. Well, I will give as my example, um, because I know you all know like how healthy and mature I am. So it's Love like it goes without you. saying. Yep. But... One thing that I've gotten really into doing, and some of this started here at work, is because we've had a lot of like professional development opportunities and mm-hmm. different things here. So I've started hearing different speakers or reading different books or whatever. And then I'm like getting my friends into them. So one of them, they sent us the link here at work. And I have like six friends that I've made watch this thing. And yeah. then I'm like, we're going to talk about it because this is about growth. And this is yeah. about, so I don't know if they're super happy about me getting them all into this, but I, I think it's just been a fun thing to say like driving into deeper conversations mm-hmm. about like where do you find you struggle with this and what does it look like for you to prioritize growth over blah 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 yeah. and so I don't know if that's a hobby but that's just something I've done recently that has been fun because it brings uh, friends and family into the conversation as well so mm-hmm. well you guys these are super great ideas so I'm excited in fact I think I'm going to do Try implementing a few of them as well, except for the 14ers, John. I yeah, literally know. I can't get Hard behind pass. that either. Yeah, I've done Hard a couple pass. and I'm like, nah. Too much for I, me. I did done. one, checked it off the right. list. Now I exactly. don't ever have to think about it again. <laughs> exactly. And this is, these are all the things that like Coloradans get angsty about because mm. it's assumptive that you're just hiking 14ers That's all the right. time. John yeah. does. He does it. So, all right. Well, the rest of us will pursue our normal hobbies and get excited about (laughs) them. So thanks, you guys, for weighing in. This was really fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Lisa. You're my calm in the chaos, my peace in the war. You speak into the madness and tell me I'm yours. Tell me I'm yours. You're my calm in the chaos, my peace in the war. You speak into the madness and tell me I'm yours. Only you can satisfy my soul. You are my every heartbeat, every breath that I breathe. You're all I need. Well, folks, here we are for this week's culture segment, and uh, I'm letting a music artist slip in. Uh, You know that I have to always, you know, it's like, okay, here's the deal, folks. Uh, We have music artists that come through. We used to interview a lot of them, but then it's just like, you know, okay, let's talk about yet another album and tell the same stories that they're hearing on Christian radio and everywhere else and every magazine article and whatever. And I'm just kind of over it. And I want to go into the nitty gritty of stuff. So I had to find Stephen McWhorter 
in order to do that. So Stephen, welcome to The Boundless Show. It's my pleasure. I didn't even tell you this ahead of time, but now with that setup, it's like, uh, you better bring it or I don't even know what. <laughs> Let me tell you about doing. my Christmas album that's okay. coming out. I'm just kidding. I don't know. No, no. <laughs> Okay, I could get excited no, about that. Or no, it's hard to get me to talk about that stuff, so you're, you're a good at it. Okay, but you're from Louisville. Louisville. You got to throw it away. Louisville. You, Louisville. 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 Uh, Louisville. You see, we're so redneck, we're going to tell everybody else they're saying it wrong when they're saying it right. Okay, okay. <laughs> so that's good. Um, I only know of that because if you go there and south, I am, a lot of Boundless fans know this, I am a, a Southern Gospel fan. Ooh. For a number of different reasons. I'm also a hip-hop fan, so I'm just saying I diversify folks. So hey. don't write in and be like, you need to open up your catalog and whatnot. But yeah. we'll see if we talk about that today. But what we will talk about is uh, some of your story and specifically what God has done in your life and through your ministry, which I'm super excited about because yeah. he was just leading worship here at Focus on the Family, y'all. And it was really, uh, it was fantastic. And so I feel like when I work at a place where I can start my day like mm. that, it is a good day and it's a good job. So yeah. um, it's been great. So he, FYI, um, I just mentioned that he was uh, leading worship here at Focus on the Family this morning, including he did sing his song, Come Jesus Come, which hit number one in Christian songs on iTunes. Mm-hmm. I think it's being played crazy amounts now on K-Love and beyond. So mm-hmm. People are getting to know you, okay, and your music, and hopefully, and we know because Mm -hmm. you're hearing about it, people are getting to know Jesus, which is what matters. So, okay, but we're going to break it down because people are like, well, why are you telling people about Jesus? What do you have to say? And so... Well, <laughs> you know, hey, that's this kind is of how the thing. these are the softballs that right. we give you. So no, we're like, why it. are you even here? What's Everybody going on? has something to say. Okay, whether they should say it or not is a whole other question. That is very, <laughs> very true. I hear you on that. So, so let's start it out because we want to back it up and get into your story a little bit. Yeah. Um, tell me about. You need to start out with your childhood because I actually, sure. when I even read this about you, I had tears. Mm. Um, your father was an evangelist, but that mm-hmm. is not all there is to the story. Tell me yeah. about growing up. So I've told this a lot, um, so I'm very used to telling it. But I grew up an evangelist son, like traveling from church camp to church camp, mm-hmm. right? But the guy I saw behind a pulpit and the one I saw in private were not the same. I'd literally see my dad get up, preach about Jesus, but behind closed doors would physically abuse my mom. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? If God's real, he's not good. So even at a young age, um, God and my earthly dad became the villains of my story, right? Mm -hmm. So around uh, 11 to 13, I was smoking, drinking marijuana. First time I got in trouble with the police, I was stealing cigarettes from a Mm Winn-Dixie. Classy. And... It was the generic brand. I could have stole anything. Southerners so. will have to Google yeah, that. You'll have yeah. to look up Winn Dixie. Yeah. It's pretty pretty redneck. Um, anyways, I uh, by fifteen, it's cocaine pills. I'm selling drugs the whole nine yards. By the time I'm seventeen, I'm a full out crystal meth addict, and I'm using every day for over six years. And during this time, I was the guy who hates Christianity. Like I'd have been online making fun of Christians. You know what I mean? I, it was just brutal. Mm-hmm. Two things would happen, I always say, if you mention the name Jesus around me during this time, I would either cuss you out or try to knock you out because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I only weighed 100 pounds from being a meth addict. So if I threw my whole body at you, you oh might get goodness. a paper cut. But uh, I, I really, I hated I hated it all, man. It was crazy. And uh, But there were people that were praying for me. I'm mean, talking like for real interceding, praying, pulling over on the side of the road, boogers coming out of the nose, wow. ugly crying over yeah. me coming to Jesus. 
So I knew, you know, God was after me. And somebody came and gave me this book called The Case for Christ mm-hmm. by Lee Strobel. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee's a friend of mine now. and um, He's the, been on the show. Yeah, yeah we love great. him. Uh, he's funny, actually. He's yeah. a funny guy. But he, um, they gave me this book by Lee, who was an atheist that ended up finding out it's all real, right? And this book was about the evidence for the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And having told you how much I hated Christianity, I always say this is the most miraculous part of my story because when the person offered me this book, I accepted it without clawing the eyes out of their head, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, cool, whatever. And um, fast forward, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I literally have drugs on the side table next to me. Nobody's playing a harp quietly in the corner. It's seemingly the most impossible place for someone to get saved, but it's the kindness of a very real God to meet um, a wounded pastor's kid in a place like this. And I just remember we had this internal dialogue, right? Like I knew he was in the room. Um, And it was, Stephen, I'm real and I'm good and I have a purpose for your life. Hmm. And I'll say this. Those sound like words you pull out of a book called Christian Things to Say, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they just seem like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I always say, you know, God has a way of saying a word you've heard a million times. Mm-hmm. And when you hear it, not just intellectually, but like with who you really are, like the core of yourself, you hear it, hear him say it, it unlocks something that's been dormant inside you your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was just like, God, I want to give you my life. <laughs> I want to quit all this addiction, all this darkness, all this depression, all this anger that I've known for so long. God, I want to, but I can't. And I always say, when you're in the presence of God, there's no saying the right churchy thing, right? There's no pretending he knows what's up and you know what's up. So when I said I couldn't do it, there's no way I meant it. I'd been in addiction at this point for over 11 years. Um, I remember being up for four days at one point and saying to myself, you're going to die at a young age, but you can't quit. So it is what it is. I mean, you don't get further in the pit than that. And I just remember being like, God, I can't, there's no way. And in a thought more powerful than words, like wasn't audible, but I knew it wasn't me, right? It was, Stephen, you won't do it. I'll do it. Hmm. And this is that Ephesians 2, right? It's you're saved by grace. This isn't something you can boast about. It's a work of God. But it also says in John, the Gospel of John, it says, the only work the Father asks of you is to believe. And in that moment, I believed. Like, I took him at his word. I believed him like I believe I'm breathing air (sighs) right now. And I fell to my knees. Gave my life to Jesus in this room (laughs) with boogers coming out of my nose, ugly crying on the floor. I went from addiction to redemption. And honestly, I always just say this, it's because it's all real. It's real. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't don't have a five-point Bible study lesson Mm -hmm. to tell you. It's real. Uh, I remember running around to all my addict friends and being like, oh, my gosh, it's all real. I can't believe it. And uh, they would just look at me like, are you high? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like... um, and that was, you know, over 20 years ago now. Wow. And I'll just say this, like the, the Lord ended up, my dad didn't physically touch my mom again like that for when I was 10 years old, he stopped doing that. But it didn't change anything for me. And it was just like, I hated this guy, right? But my mom stayed with him. And I just remember thinking, why? And I think I was angry with her for staying with him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So almost like some of the decisions throughout my childhood it was just to kind of make them suffer, it felt like. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was just like, Ugh, I, I, this is what you get. You know, and 
So I really, I, I'm not saying you should stay with someone. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I would say if you're in physical danger and you're in a relationship, you should probably get out. Sure. Okay. I'm just going to say that. But uh, my mom stayed with him. And the first thing that happened after I got saved was I just remember the Lord being like, go forgive your dad. Mm. And I remember thinking, no, no way, anything else. Send me to Cambodia. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. care. Just don't, not this. And I remember when it happened, we were in this room. There was no light coming in a window or birds on our shoulders. It was the most awkward thing ever. Mm-hmm. I think I was like, I forgive you. And he was like, oh, okay. And I just ran out of the room, right? And it yeah. was like not magical. But something broke in that. I'm just telling you, like something broke in that. And fast forward, he ends up baptizing me and my wife. He ends up performing our wedding ceremony. Now, he's been dead now for since over 10 years from cancer. Mm-hmm. But I say that to say that when the Lord... <laughs> like really redeem somebody. It's like a pebble in the ocean that becomes a tsunami of like grace and redemption that doesn't just, it's not just about you being saved. Like he loves you, but it hits all these areas around your life that you'd never even think about. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's, it's not just about you. He's after you, but every generation after you. Yeah, And that to me is probably the most powerful part of what, I went through. Yeah, man. Okay, so I want to back it up a little bit because that was quite the um, tour, like through your life, and that is amazing. I want to pick a couple parts apart there. I want to take it all the way back to you at home as a kid. Talk about why, because there are so many young adults today, Stephen, who, you know, or we'll hear in the church, for example, Mm. okay, well, you know, Christians, they're going to be train wrecks. So there are people, you know, with addictions, or there are people who are in abusive marriages, or there are people. But what about Jesus? Isn't Jesus enough? What was the disconnect for you there with seeing your dad as a pastor, as an evangelist, as a Christian, but you still weren't able to separate like, okay, but Jesus is okay. I can take Jesus. I just need to recognize. I mean, obviously you were young, so that makes sense. And that's why, you know, Christian discipleship is so important. And the way that we are ambassadors mm-hmm. of Christ is important. But did you ever have that struggle or were you just like, there was no way you could connect the two and and take Jesus at his word? Yeah. You know, be honest, there wasn't a way that I could I didn't even try to listen to anything Jesus had to say after that point. Okay. You know what I mean? It yeah, was like yeah. I just associated all of that with yeah. this man yeah. that I despised. Yeah. And, you know, this also speaks to the power of a parent, a father, yeah. you know, in our lives. And as much as we want to say, hey, Jesus is enough, it's true. Yeah. But there's something about that relationship you have with your parents and your father and stuff that shapes you for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. And... There's a point in your journey with the Lord where he wants to heal that, even with the best parent, because mm-hmm. even the best parents uh, are still broken sometimes and make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And um, but there's a part where the Jesus wants to show us that he is the very, like the father, the father is the source of what a good father looks like, what a perfect father looks like. And some of us, we look through a distorted lens, through the lens of our earthly father. Yeah. So there's this part in that journey where you have to let the Lord show you. Yeah. You know. Which is why so many people as adults need to go back and mine some of that. They brought trauma from their childhoods that they are Absolutely. still, even as believers. Absolutely. You know, this is why I'm like, y'all, we've, we've got to dig into this because it really oh, does I'm, affect you. Know, you know, I have three boys and I'm constantly going, okay. 
what am I bringing over that I need to be careful of and yeah. be aware of? Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Um, also, I want some clarity on the, you know, you talked about like God, the 3 a.m. experience, <laughs> just God, how you walked out of that. Okay. Cocaine and meth are like no joke. Okay. <laughs> so how, talk about the power of God in that, because does this mean that you quit drugs cold turkey? I mean, you walked away. I, I speak a lot at addiction recovery ministries, yeah. and I do this all across the country. I've been doing this for 20 years. Um, we've seen thousands of people come to Jesus from this, just sharing my testimony, nothing mm-hmm. fancy, manipulative, just the real thing. And I always say this because in my story, um, yeah, I actually quit everything overnight. And don't be discouraged by that because in the Gospels, Jesus never healed anyone the same way twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every mm-hmm. story has a purpose. If it takes five times and you fall to his feet, and it's done, he's going to use your story to change the lives of thousands if you're willing to let him do that. Hmm. And that's what happened with me. But don't worry. There was plenty of other things that were so screwed up with me for years to come to work <laughs> on. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's not perfect, y'all. He's not perfect. His wife is watching here. We know. We're going to talk to her after. Too She's heavily. agreeing. She just raised her hands in an amen. Oh, but she There's loves you. There's a lot you. of she hallelujahs going on okay. in there. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Okay. So that, I mean, that helps because again, like you said, I was just even thinking scripture came to mind of Jesus healing the blind man, yeah. you know, twice. That first time, uh, I think I see people, but they look like trees walking around, sure. you know, and then, I mean, many applications to that, but but that's a good word, just that, you know, God's going to do what he's going to do, and he knows well, everyone's story. Yeah, and, and it's a process with us, and if it takes a few times for it to make sense, okay. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, that's good. Um, I did love, I just wanted to say it as an aside, because you did talk about this, the idea of Lee Strobel and <laughs> You actually uh, quoted as this is just the, you know, pre, you know, God working on Stephen. He he did want to claw someone's eyes out, <laughs> and now you you actually clarified that that was multiple times you wanted to do that. Yeah, so yeah. not just a one time thing. No, I mean, it's funny. I, I I look back now, you know, having do this ministry a lot, and I'm I'm online a lot. I've pretty focused social media ministry that I do, and it's a big part. And I get a lot of people that come on that are angry, mm-hmm. very angry, hate Christians, hate the whole thing. Just They'll take the time just to tell you that. Mm-hmm. And I get it. Broken people want to break people and want to break things. And it's very interesting. And I look back at that and go, it's like an out-of-body experience. I'm like, man, what in the world? Yeah. Um, you really have become a new person. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your transition into music because was music there Good. before? I have a new album coming out. I want to talk about <laughs> no, the I'm Christmas album. We want to talk about the Christmas album. We're gonna sit. We're gonna sing Halloween it album. live no, right here, kidding. y'all. We're gonna make it happen. Okay, um, I want to talk about this though because first of all, was music in your life prior, mm-hmm. and at what level? And then straight up, you got to talk to us about getting into Christian music and all, we all know that's like, there's a biz, okay? Oh, there's a biz well, around it. Okay. I, you're kind of a little bit of a fish out of water there. Oh, okay, yeah, you're yeah, not. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about that because I've heard you sing and I love your voice, but it's not just like, hey, you know what? Um, okay, I quit drugs and I came back to the Lord. And so what else should I do? I guess I'll just sing music. So you got to tell us of how this story came about. Yeah. Well, you know, I was in metal bands when I was a teenager and I was yes. doing drugs. I was screaming my head off, people okay. beating each other up well, it's in a front of me. You have a voice oh, then at this I point. mean, you know, <laughs> I don't take any vocal voice lessons or anything like that. I'm just, I do all the wrong things. Glass of milk before I get on stage. You know okay. what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. that. But um 
Yeah, I was always into music. It's like always been my my DNA and in my life. You know, what's really funny is my last name at quarter literally means son of the harpist. And we have like a two, like an over a thousand year old family crest that's got a harp at the top. Scottish family. It says Tadadi Lamus, which means God we praise thee. And I was like, wow. So it's it's in me whether I like it or not, right? Okay. Well, we want to see that harp show up in, at an, <laughs> in like, an album. At some so. Point. Uh, yeah, that doesn't sound like a really cool song, Son of the Opus. <laughs> I, I think I'll check out the next it one. Could but, be. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, and when I gave my life to Jesus, again, that night in that room, you have to understand, I, I wasn't in a pulpit or I wasn't in a pew. Not that you can't be. And it wasn't any of those things. It was just real. And when I got out of that, there was like a year of delivering pizzas and just like figuring it out. And somebody was like, hey, you should get a job at this church that's looking for a contemporary worship leader for their contemporary service in the morning. And I remember going, ah, oh, that's not me. My dad, I'm, I swore I'd never do anything like that. So I go, and plus I was like, I was a meth addict. They're not going to want to hire me. I underestimated just how hard up churches are for a worship leader. <laughs> oh <my laughs> they were like, you are you were a meth addict? You're great. We'll take you. But uh, they gave me my first job, and I remember them sliding me a list of the songs I was allowed to play. Mm. And the coolest thing on the list at that time was, I can only imagine. <laughs> and right, I was yeah. like... <laughs> I was like, to go from screaming and all this stuff to this. But you understand, I was literally, I'm just one of those crazy people that believe God's real. It's all real. And I was just, my wife will attest to this. I was just excited. It didn't matter what it was to get to actually sing to Jesus, Mm -hmm. who I know is real now. I know it's all real. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that was my introduction to just, Going from that to that, it was wild. And I was in churches as a worship leader for many years. And then I was like, okay, I can't do another meeting. So I quit doing that. <laughs> and I literally, the Lord, it's a long story. The Lord led me into um, this. I mean, I, when I tell you I never once like sent something to Nashville, I wasn't trying to get a record deal. It was literally like just me going, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Jesus, with his word, praying, fasting, really just one of those people was like, I'll do whatever you If there's no net there, mm-hmm. I'll still go if you're saying go. Mm-hmm. And it led to uh, Jason Ingram, who's really successful guy in the music industry, hearing a song, then pitching a record deal. Next thing you know, I'm a songwriter for Sony Music. Next thing you know, I'm writing with some of the biggest people in the industry. And all this time, staying in Louisville, trying to stay grounded in the Lord, mm-hmm. not to be too in that world. No offense to that world, but trying not to be too in it so that I'm out of this pure place. Yeah. And... um that's been the case ever since. I've just been doing this for a long time, just trying to be honest and real. Mm. And that's been it. And even with like TikTok and Instagram and all the stuff that God does with me now, it's just, I just, I'm very, you see what you see is what you get kind of yeah. a thing, you know? Yeah. So, Well, and I do want to ask you a little bit about that and have you give some encouragement to those listening just about, you know, pursuing God in, in different seasons. But I need to take a little bit of a detour to ask you, we've referenced Tara, your wife, a couple times. How did that happen? Because I would seriously hope that someone told her, uh, you need to ask some pretty hard questions of this guy and where he's coming from. Someone's dad was not okay with this on some level, possibly. Well, or here's an awesome thing. Okay. She's not in here because she doesn't want to be in here. <laughs> she was invited, but she doesn't want to be in here. She was. My we'll wife, get her story later. Um, she's actually never met her earthly father. Uh-huh. Um, very cool because the Lord has like done some amazing things with her despite yeah. that. Like it's amazing. And, um, 
she was actually in that bed that night when I gave my life to Jesus hmm. as my girlfriend mm-hmm. and woke up to me sobbing on the ground. And she was like, are you high? You know what I mean? And, wow. uh, you know, we were engaged at the time. And I said, I'm moving out. I'm going to go sleep on a couch. Can't do this. I love you. I gave my life to Jesus. It's all real. And so she watched and saw if I meant it. And then the Lord worked on her and brought her oh. in. And so she was the one that was like, your dad should baptize us and all that. Um, so, yeah, we've been together since she was 14. I was 30. I'm just kidding. 16. Uh, <laughs> she was 14. I was 16. We've been married 21 years together, 27. Um, yeah. Wow. And God worked. Yeah. God worked. That's amazing. Okay. I want, as we finish here, Stephen, give us some encouragement because clearly it doesn't mean God is never a one and done. It's not like, okay, I'm done with Stephen. He's good enough. He's going to just sing, you know, praise and worship music, whatever. If you were to look at yourself a year from now and look back and say, I grew and matured this year. I am closer to Jesus now than I was this time last year. What would that look like? What would this year's journey look like for you? What does it look like for you to pursue God in a way that you know you're a disciple and you are are following Christ in in decisions you're making? I mean, you know, there's some biggies. Like even in what God's been doing with me, I always say I have to love people, like really actually love them without an agenda, Mm -hmm. not to get them to follow me, Mm -hmm. not to get them to buy something or to build a thing, right? I have to really mean it without an agenda. And that's the freeing, most freeing thing. But the other thing I would say is this. This has been the thing that's really marked my life probably the most in the last 10 years or more has been do like let me be shaped out of the secret place. And I'm going to unchurchy that for a minute. What I mean is like spend so much time in that place where nobody's watching, mm-hmm. loving him and being with him and, and, and actually like as a music guy, just for example, singing to him, not trying to don't hit record on your voice memo. It's not a cool song time. It's I'm not preparing for anything. It's just me and him and it's real mm-hmm. and it has to be real. And then out of that place, now, whatever it is I'm doing is now the overflow of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there's something about that where people start going, what is it about that person? Mm-hmm. And they've been with Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds super simple, but we all know it's it's not. And yeah. you just have to make it the number one priority. Yeah. It's so great because we were just in something this morning where we heard uh, a guy talk about or reference John 15, and it's reminding me of that, mm-hmm. of like... We think that the Christian life is so much about doing this and doing that and knowing this and knowing that and having the right, you know, uh, do I have the right version of the Bible (laughs) and have I done the latest studies and whatever? And it is like staying plugged into the vine, like, you know, pouring into us. The gospel has a goal. It has a purpose. There's a mark that's trying to be hit and it's you alive Mm -hmm. and you can't be alive unless you're attached to the Mm -hmm. vine Mm -hmm. and that thing about knowing him, like really knowing him, not just intellectually, but like really knowing him doesn't come from all those things. Because you know that, right, from the Gospels where Jesus says to the, to the, to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he says, you diligently search the scriptures because you think you'll find life, but yet you miss me. That means that we could do all the exegesis. We could do all the, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, mm-hmm. the, the gymnastics of mm-hmm. biblical studies and miss Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
And then it also says, oh, you didn't we, uh, he says, I didn't know you. He said, but didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we, you know, uh, prophesy in your name and all these things? So on the other end, you could do all that stuff. And he still say, I don't know you. Mm-hmm. How do you know somebody? You spend so much time with them that you know their voice yeah. in a crowd of a thousand, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's just time. Yeah. So true. Yeah, last night I was reading in Matthew and was reminded of just the, uh, I can't even remember what the specific encounter was, but the the teaching in it was sometimes we we are going after the right things, or, or we think we are, or we know we are, whatever, and we're so adamant about them, but we're pursuing the right things with the wrong heart, and we're not pursuing them for the right reasons. And, you know, we can get really angry or preachy or think Mm. that we're going to turn tables or we're going to be all (laughs) up in arms about something. And it's like, open your eyes, look around, who are you loving and where are you sitting at Jesus' feet? There's a difference between, this will sound heady, but like, uh, but it's, there's a difference between doing something for Jesus and doing something with him. Mm. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. All right. Well, roll back in this interview, and you know that we talked about The Case for Christ, that book that Stephen was handed that made him want to claw someone's eyes out. Um, We're going (laughs) to let that go this time. But we want to make that book available to you. What if it might be the book that you need to get a hold of and read? And quite frankly, those of you who've heard Lee Strobel on our show, he has other resources and other books that are just amazing, and his own story mm-hmm. is just amazing. So uh, The Case for Christ, a journalist's personal investigation of the evidence for Jesus. Go to Boundless.org, search for 821 this week's show. You just click on that. You give a gift to Boundless, whatever you can afford for the ministry that we already do here. We want to send a copy of the book to you as our thank you. So thank you again, Stephen, for being with us. My pleasure. These hands do nothing until you compel me These feet go nowhere until you propel me My heart is bare until your spirit rushes through This life is nothing without you I've reached the end of what my sight can show me I only want to know the one who knows me My heart was searching, now I finally found Life is nothing without you Let your Folks, here we are for our inbox, and uh, we are going to answer one of your questions. We love it when you send in your questions, so please continue to do so, either at our editor at boundless.org, 
email address or you can just uh, slip into our DMs on Instagram or Facebook. So, uh, well, we have got one of our fantastic counselors, Jerry, here. Great to have you. Good Thanks to be for here. being here, Jerry. Um, okay. Here's the deal. This is what our listener wants to know. They're saying, what is a biblical response for when I'm feeling burnt out from loving others? <laughs> That's pretty honest. It's a great question. And Lisa, there's actually a counseling phrase that describes this condition. It's called compassion fatigue. Mm. And if you're someone who loves others well by listening to them, praying for them, lifting them up, you know that that is very taxing. So every time you love someone in that way, a bit of you can be drained spiritually. And uh, if you keep giving and giving and giving, eventually uh, you're going to love people to the point of exhaustion. And the insightful question is, how do I respond scripturally in those times of compassion fatigue? And as always, our best response is to consult the expert who is Christ himself. One day the Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked him, uh, Jesus, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And, um, you know, they were just wanting to trick him, really. They didn't think there was an answer to the question, but Jesus didn't even hesitate. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he didn't just give them the, the greatest, he gave them the second greatest. The second greatest is to love others as yourself. It's interesting, Lisa, when you think of the great statements of our history as a nation, how many voices and how many words it took to create the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, it's always amazing to me that the Lord in human flesh only needed one verse, (laughs) 30 words, to give us God's highest priorities for our lives, and they are to love Him and to love others. And I'm very grateful for the individual who asked this question because it sent me on a personal journey uh, to review this verse, and I saw it in a new light. You know, all the teachings of Jesus are important, but if all we had of his teachings were these words recorded in Mark 12:30, we'd have everything we need to know how to live the abundant life that God has for us. Love him, love others. But the great thing about this is he didn't just give us the words, he actually modeled for us what that looks like in real life. I can count in the Gospels six times when Jesus, either in preparation for an event where he was going to be loving people, or in recuperation after an event where he had been loving people, that he broke away from the disciples, he broke away from the crowds, and he sought solitude with his Father. I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of The Chosen. (laughs) And there's so many scenes in The Chosen where in those times the disciples will look around and they'll say, well, where's Jesus? He's nowhere to be found. They're worried about him. How's he going to be safe if we're not there to protect him? And eventually he'll come back and he'll explain to them, fellas, you need to understand, number one, I'm capable of taking care of myself. Number two, when I'm in these times of ministry, I have to connect with my father. Uh, And what is true for Jesus was going to be true for them as well. They had no idea the ministry he was getting ready to charge them with. In the name of Christ, those men were going to go out and love others. Uh, In the name of Christ, they'd be preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons and praying for people. And they would need to refill their spiritual tank by spending time with the Father in order to have the spiritual power to do what Christ was commissioning them to do. We call that self-care. 
When you are experiencing compassion fatigue in your love for others, a scriptural response would be to follow Christ's example and care for yourself by plugging in to your Heavenly Father. Now, Lisa, there's a number of practical ways that we do that. Exposure to Scripture. Time spent in personal devotions, time spent listening to God's Word being taught, being preached. Times of prayer. Times of worship, like we had this morning in chapel. Times of fellowship. Maybe for you, you can plug into the Father by taking a walk in His creation, giving Him thanks and praise, but loving Him with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength gives you the energy you need to love others in His name. That's so good. Yeah, and it just reminds me of how, you know, again, reminding myself that Jesus being fully God but also fully man did have to recharge, and he did work within a limited geographic area. And I often tell people that, especially those ones that are the helpers and the givers, I have to say, you know, you can't, no one can love the whole world, <laughs> no human person. And we certainly can't, or in, in love being relationship, you know, you can't be in relationship with everyone, and you certainly can't at the same level as everyone. And so we have to be wise, and we have to see and hear from God as to who is he calling us to invest in. And so I think your words are so good about, you know, having your limitations and recognizing that, you know, God is going to be the source of it all. So, Jerry, thanks so much for weighing in. Well, folks, a reminder, again, whether you're on listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are, if you'd be willing to leave us a review, uh, we would absolutely love that because we're getting some new listeners to the show and it's always helpful to them if they know of a show listener who can maybe give a little bit of an endorsement or a little idea of why they love the show and so whatever platform you're on if you would hop over maybe give us a star rating or a review we would just love that and appreciate it so much and in the meantime i will see you around next week i'm lisa anderson for the boundless show the boundless show is a production of boundless.org from focus on the family It can be challenging to inspire your community to see life the way God sees it. So what's the solution? Well, on June 15th, Focus on the Family is hosting Sea Life 24. And no matter where you are or who you are, you can be a part of this free event with speakers like Ben and Kirsten Watson and real stories about choosing life. Sea Life 24 will inspire you to translate your faith into action. Register today at sealife24.org.